The message this morning is entitled, It's Good and Clean and Fresh. Tra-la-la. You remember those adverts? <laughs> it's good and clean and fresh. Tra-la-la. And the thing that they used to illustrate the good and clean and fresh was nappies. Nappies which normally don't smell good and clean and fresh. Even the aroma of a spring garden in that spray in the toilet can be altered if you don't spray enough. Those of you who know East London and know Bats Cave and the story about Bats Cave, the outlet pipe for a bunch of sewage, you can catch a fish there that looks very healthy, but they glow in the dark. What about the apple tree that you thought gave such good apples and it's growing right next to the long drop there outside of the farmhouse and you wonder why those apples look so good. It's all a cover-up. It's all a cover-up. Even the Pharisees, in all their splendor in their day, and all their words and all their shouting and all their knowledge and all their proclamation was not always good and clean and fresh. We do like things to be good and clean and fresh. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, everything was done to order. And we know that the Romans were known for their orderly doing of everything. Roads even that were built in those days are as solid and as firm as anything even today. The Romans were ordered and neat and tidy and clean. Maybe not fresh because there was nothing like deodorant those days. But you know what I'm talking about. We like it like that. When the cross was lifted up with Jesus on it, it was lifted into a pre-dug hole and wedged tight, straight up, not lying to the side, straight up, good and clean and fresh and orderly. I want to declare today that while things might be clean and fresh, are they good? Are they good? You see, we know from Scripture that none of us are really good because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I just want to establish that right now before we even start with the Scripture for today. Sometimes failure, falling, happens to the best of us. King David erred with a beautiful woman. Jonah erred when he tried to rebel against God's instruction. Judas, Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends, went and got money and sold him out. What about Peter? Peter, I will never leave you, Jesus. And at the first sign of trouble, he ran with the rest of them. He came back, yes. He came back afterwards. 
but then he denied knowing Jesus. The best of the crowd. And amongst us, the best of the crowd, I'm sure you can testify or think about somewhere where you have let Jesus down, where things have not all been good and clean and fresh. Maybe clean and fresh, but not always good. And we might ask the question this morning, is there then even a small chance of restoration? A new beginning, perhaps? Is there any hope for us? Because if we've done it once, we'll probably mess up again. Well, I want to put your hearts at ease. We'll see what the Word says. I want to read a few verses from Ezekiel chapter 37, starting at verse 1. And it's a story of sun-bleached bones, human bones, to be more precise. And yeah, Ezekiel says the following. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Speaking of being very dry, what is what, what uh, Ezekiel is trying to illustrate here is that there was not even any moist marrow left. There was no sign of life. There was no chance of life. There was no, it, it was dead, dead bones. He asked me, son of man, God asked me, asked him, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. The knee bone connected to the thigh bone. The thigh bone connected to the hip bone. Verse 8, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. Wait for it, a vast army. 
very significant. We'll chat about that in a while. A vast army. Remember the story of the young man who was lost and found the young man who ran away, the prodigal child? Well, you and I were lost and we were found. We were dead and are alive because of what Jesus did on the cross. These bones being spoken of here by Ezekiel represented the whole of Israel according to what God says in that chapter. Represents the whole of Israel. They also represent our lives before Christ. Dead bones, no chance at any other life. No chance at abundance of life. These bones also represent us as Christians when we mess up. And time after time, I've messed up in my Christian life. I've done things and thought things and said things that were not very Jesus-like. These bones represent Peter while he's denying knowing Jesus. And they represent so many seekers all around us in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our sports club. Dead bones, dry bones, very dry according to scripture. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 24 and 25, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. A time is, has now come where you and I heard the word of God and we came to Christ and we received new life. Life which could only come from Jesus Christ. Life that entered those dead bones of who I was. <clears throat> those very dry bones that received some lively tendons and, and flesh and skin and then breath, the breath of God. And then there's the time still coming. And it comes every day when we mess up. We need that fresh breath. We need those new tendons, that new flesh. We need that new heartbeat because we fail and we fall and we mess up. And we are from God. The condition of the bones in this passage indicate absolute deplorable death, hopelessness, lostness. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever felt like it's no good anymore? I've had various times over the last month or two when before I get up out of bed, I am too fearful to move in case I mess up. 
and it's scary. You don't even want to get up and go to work because I say, Lord, I need you now. I need you now because I might just say something wrong. I might do something wrong. And eventually the peace comes as God's breath takes over. Now, I'm not trying to say that I'm special in any way. I'm far from special. And I've just been reminded that I need his breath. I need his tendons. I need the marrow in my bones. I need the flesh and the skin that comes only from him. And we're talking spiritual things, you know, because we can relate to the spiritual if we put it with the physical. And that is why Ezekiel was spoken to by God in this way. These bones were of unburied bodies, obviously, which is a strange thing because the Jews always encased their bodies in stone or something. They were closed up. Even today, a body must be buried. There are new rules, apparently, that you can keep a dead person in a glass case in your home for the rest of your life if you want. Apparently, those are new rules. The old rules of having to be buried six foot doesn't apply anymore. I heard that from an undertaker. These bones, which were unburied, maybe as a result of a battle long ago, were open to heaven, not hidden. You and I, my dear friend, are not hidden from God. We can be buried six foot. We can be buried 20 foot. We are not hidden from God. We can be so far gone in our lives. We can have messed up so much in our lives. We can have thought so many bad things. We can have said so many wrong things. But we are not hidden from God. We are not hidden from his judgment, nor are we hidden from his blessing and new life. Take that and put it in your wallet because it is true according to the word of God. The bodies of God's people cannot be removed from him. But you know what? Something about this, a time is coming. Jesus says, a time is coming. Not only has it come, but it is coming. There's a responsibility that you and I have for those in our neighborhood, our workplace, the sports club, wherever, to begin to prophesy, just like Ezekiel was instructed to prophesy to those bones. How will they hear the word if it is not spoken to them? And how will it be spoken if God's people are not obedient? There are people who are like dry bones, very dry bones. And they are perhaps never going to receive anything from the word. They are perhaps not going to hear any prophecy if you or I don't do it. You and I, as the royal priesthood, a holy people, a nation belonging to God, These bones represent so many seekers around us waiting for God's word, waiting for that prophecy, waiting for that hope 
waiting for that direction, waiting for that new infusion of expectation, that new vision that they ought to have. We were lost and we are found. We are dead, we're dead, and we are alive because of God's word, because of prophecy. What about those around us? And I want to mention also that it's all about God's word and his grace. If I was God, none of us would be alive. I think there, I think there would be lots of people. Well, there would be some people. I, I don't want to say that I've got stuff against you. But I would smidge people out. I would have just called another flood. Just wipe everything out, man. I would have said, Jesus, come and just fetch me. Leave the rest alone. I've had enough of this yet. But the prophet prayed and proclaimed as instructed. When he was asked, will these bones live? What would your answer be? I don't know. What would my answer be? I corner. No ways. It's dead. Is there a chance for the world? Is there a chance for so many politicians? I'd say no. Never. But those dry bones, those very dry bones, always have a chance when the word of God is near, when the prophecy is brought according to obedience and according to God's grace, where nothing is earned, he brings life. In the story that we read, the bones took on new life. <laughs> Dry bones, new marrow, sinews, muscles, flesh, skin, and then breath, and they stood up on their feet. A vast army. God's word and grace saves and brings dead things to life. In Job chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, and then verse 11, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit. Job says, your hands shaped me and made me. Remember that you molded me like clay. Did you not clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me? Job, after all the trouble he went through, could have become dry bones, very dry bones. But he clung to the promise of the word. He clung to the truth of the word. He clung to the grace of God. He clung to the hope that he had in God Almighty. Ought you and I not be the same? Ought you and I not also be clinging to the hope that is in Christ? Because we face similar situations to Job. We face similar challenges to Peter. We face times when we are tempted to be like Judas. We face temptations like David faced. 
Just as Ezekiel heard a noise, the rattling that this passage speaks of, so did Saul. Remember the story of Saul? He heard a loud noise and a booming voice, and it was God speaking to him. Why do you persecute me? And he knew who was speaking. God speaks to us today. There's a noise. Maybe it is just something drumming in your head. Maybe it's your heart beating fast and you can, if you block your ears, you can hear the kudunk, kudunk, kudunk of your heart. Now your heart doesn't sound like that, but you know what I mean. Ezekiel heard a noise and it was the beginning process of life. You and I are going to hear the noise of dry bones very often as God gets us alive, as God brought life into those dead bones lying on that valley floor. There's going to be a rattling noise. Things are going to come together. When your old motor car rattles, don't worry about it. It's coming to life. <laughs> I, I had an old, that old Mazda that I was in King Williamstown with originally, that little... That little Mazda chore, that, uh, what did they call it? The midge. I used, <laughs> I, I used to get about 160 out of it. That was maximum. But then the doors rattled. The bumpers rattled. The rearview mirror, you couldn't see through it. It was shaking. The exhaust was blowing. But I knew there's life. It wouldn't be shaking if it was not moving. The breath brought life to Adam. The breath brought life to the bones. The breath brings life to those who are being saved. The breath brings life to those who are being resurrected. Remember Jesus, he lay in that tomb for three days. On the third day, he got fresh breath from Holy Spirit and he rose to life. You and I have got fresh breath waiting for us, dear friend. You might be in a place now where you think you are like those dead bones, those dry bones. There's no hope. Well, change your way of thinking because there is hope. God will bring breath and flesh and life and exuberant life too on top of it to those dry bones. The great army spoken of indicated capable, fit, energized persons. There's a reason why it is reported that those that stood up was a vast army, not just a vast tribe or a vast group of people or a vast nation, but a vast army. My dear friend, when you and, you and I stand up, energized and refurbished by God, you need to know that you are part of the army of God. And you cannot sit still. You cannot stand still. You cannot be placid. You cannot be slow. You cannot be timid or naive. We have to shout it out. We have to be that vast army. 
He brings life not to be quiet. He brings life not to be kept still. He brings life that there might be action. He's seeking action from you and me today, my dear friend. Are you going to provide that action? Forget about the hip that's got a click. You might not be able to run as fast as what you did before, but you can talk. I know some older Christian folk who talk much more than what they spoke before. Sometimes it's a problem, but it's something that needs to be utilized. Don't keep quiet. Don't stop talking, but let's talk the thing of Jesus. Let's tell people. Let's tell the dead, dry bones all around us. If we open our Holy Spirit eyes, we'll see those dead bones. We'll see those very dry bones. Speak to them, dear friend. Prophesy to them. Bring the word to them. Let us be the people ready to do his bidding. I want to close by just proclaiming, declaring our own bones, the responsibility of examining them is ours. And if you see the bones beginning to whiten, the bones beginning to get very dry, we need to go to the Word. We need to allow the grace of God to provide us again with hope that we don't give up. Yeah, this is a very, can be a very negative weapon against our own existence because we think it's all over. It's not all over. It's only beginning. God said to the church at Sardis in Revelation 3, 1 to 2, it's recorded. He said to them, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are like bones, very dry bones. Wake up, God says. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. I believe we need to take those words spoken to the church in Sardis so long ago. We need to take them today into our own hearts and let the word of God remind us that this journey is not over yet. While we eat and speak, and hear, and smell, and taste, and feel, it's not over. It's not over. And believe me, the enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion is seeking you and I to devour. Don't allow it to happen. Be aware. Be wary. It's a timely warning from Scripture today. Let's never think that it cannot happen to us. Those who have gone before us are alive in Christ. I've shared it a number of times, but I battled with my dad's death. And I've got this picture of him, and the picture was on his funeral pamphlet of him kneeling down on the sand, baiting up with his fishing rod there. And I just believe that he 
is so at peace now. And if there is a sea or a nice bay in heaven, my dad's there now doing something that never made him any happier than fishing. We have hope. We have a future, but we have a present as well. We've got to get through this life. Let's not get lazy and give up now. Come on. Let's get this thing moving. Let's get this world changed. Let's get those dry bones in the neighborhood filled with life again. We have the privilege of abundant life, and we need to share that privilege with all those around us. The privilege is yours and mine to give. The responsibility is yours and mine to give. The mandate is yours and mine to present the word and to prophesy. Will you do that? Only you can answer that. Don't answer for someone else. Answer for yourself. Will you do it?